0: Hey, guys, just a quick note that we're looking for another sponsor for the podcast. So if you want to reach thousands of NC State fans each week, reach out to me at redandwhitepodcast at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening. Go Pack. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by, was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here with a special guest, Jared, from the Boneyard Podcast, the premier podcast of Pirate Nation. Jared, how are you doing? Doing well, Evan. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate your time. Jared, some of the state fans know this. Some of the ones that have listened to me for a long time. I did my graduate degree at ECU. I spent a lot of time down there. Smart man. <laughs> There's some good. Th- I had I had, some, I had some real good times at ECU. I had a lot of fun, like a lot of people do. But the best part about that down there, Bee's Barbecue and Skylight Inn. Am I am I wrong?
1: You're you're not wrong. Um, I, I didn't. I made it to Bee's once because I. It, for those of you that don't know, you have to go stand in line at Bee's and. and- <laughs> If if they run out of food, then they're just out of food. So I only went once and, and was able to to enjoy it that one time. But yes, uh, Skylight Inn is another great place. I mean, then there's plenty of places downtown that are that are great for eating. Um, yeah. Winslow's is another good one, and then uh, of course Sup Dogs. Anytime you're in Greenville, if you if you go to Sup Dogs or if you have time, definitely go by get a get a Sup Crush. Um, tell them the Boneyard podcast sent you and uh, and and have have a drink with us.
0: I love it. There'll be a lot of state fans down there uh, this coming weekend, so y'all take advantage of that and drop the Boneyard podcast for Jared here. Jared, I, I, I want to get into it. I want to get into seasons upon us. I know you probably watched some of the UNC FMU game, and we're pulling for the Rattlers like everybody else.
1: Am I am I wrong? You are not wrong. I, I didn't watch any of that game. I, I was keeping up with okay. it on my phone. I, I was watching the uh, – I did watch the Hawaii Vanderbilt game. I watched some of the Western Kentucky Austin Peay game. Um, nice. So, yeah, I mean, Western Kentucky just looked like dog crap. Um, so, yeah. And then I, I, I was watching the score of the, the, e, the UNC game, excuse me, and yeah, UNC just seemed like they could not get anything going in the first half. Um, especially with FAMU uh, ha- missing what twenty five guys, yeah, <laughs> that was insane.
0: Yeah. Uh, ironically, <laughs> tell- they held out twenty five guys for academic issues, right? I think that was the uh, that's the joke that went around. Like
1: Carolinas, of all people, but yeah, Ca- Carolina hasn't held anybody out for academic issues ever. So, um, yeah, yeah.
0: So, so we can agree on that. I think we're, where we're going to disagree is as we get into this game. But I'm curious on. ECU as a whole. I haven't paid too close attention since my time there, which was many, many years ago. But I know, you know, the Scotty Montgomery Montgomery era was kind of rough. Has ECU recovered from that? Has attendance
1: rebounded? Like, where is the, the the program as a whole right now? Yeah, I mean, for instance, the the attendance thing. I mean, yeah, it, it's dropped in in years in the last four or five years but I will say that ECU is still maintained to be the top in the top three of attendance. I believe every year in the American athletic conference, um, yeah. e- even with having some of the be- worst records in, in the American. Um, but yeah, you, you can definitely tell that they are rebounding and they're on the come up coming back from the Scotty Montgomery days. I mean, Scotty Montgomery did not do a, even a they, he didn't even do a bad job he d- he did a horrible job at, at ECU <laughs> like Scotty Montgomery he was one of the worst hires that you could have in college football um and Jeff Comford, the former athletic director at ECU and, and Cecil Staten who was also he was the chancellor during that time they they really screwed everything up with firing rough and then hiring scotty montgomery i mean at one point there was rumors that we were going to hire brady hoke um out of michigan (laughs) i mean it it was like okay (laughs) we we might actually come out on the bright side of this and then it was like all right scotty montgomery is kind of a tease and we were like all right how's this gonna go they come he comes out he beats western carolina and then he beats nc state his first two wins were like all right cool cool then he we go on the road lose to south carolina in his third game by by five points and it was like okay we're gonna still have a decent season we're still a good program and then he went three and nine every year he was here um coach houston i mean he he's got the program turned around he's he's really done a great job of changing the culture i mean i want i want to warn any nc state fan that comes in here and comes to Greenville this next weekend and says oh well we we did what was it? what did they say 96 games? To six or something, whatever, um, however many <laughs> points you've scored in the last two games, look, something that's like that. cool and all, that's cool, but this is a completely different team, and as, as is the NC State team, this is yeah. a completely different team. Th- those teams, neither of them had hold nailers. Only one of that one team, the twenty nineteen team, yes, it was coached by Coach Houston, but that was his first game as a head coach at the F- FBS level. He's he's come back. He's really made a name for himself, really done well with, with the culture. Um, these guys love to f- play for him. They fight for him, and they're never out of a game. This team is never out of a game. So, um, yeah, that that's what you're going to see back in the Scotty Montgomery days. If you get down by two touchdowns, you were done. You were absolutely done. Nobody played for Scotty. I think that is – I
0: think state fans understand that. I think at least most of the clued in ones. I know my my listeners do. The ones I engage with, that Mike Houston's a good coach, right? It I was I thought it was a good hire. It he's not going to be the flashy guy, but he's the guy that's going to you know build your program up. They're going to be a well coached football team, and they're going to run the ball. They're going to play good defense. I mean, he won on a lot of levels, and you know it's only a matter of time before he builds that back at ECU. But it's just you know I guess our question is. You know how how much building does he had to do? Like right? you know, did, where did Scotty Montgomery leave you, and like where are you right now
1: in that growth process? In your opinion, yeah, I mean, Scotty Montgomery left us in shambles. Um, Coach Houston has pretty much built this offensive line from scratch. The offensive line has been the struggle over the last three years or so. Um, I think this is going to be our best offensive line since 2014, and I mean that that was a top 25 team, top 25 offensive line. Now, with that being said, I mean he's reimplemented a, a tight end. He, he's added that back. Scotty Montgomery didn't run any package with a tight end, so I mean we now we have we have two guys that are pretty good tight ends. One of them is a uh, transfer from Oklahoma, transferred in as a linebacker and has switched over to tight end, and I uh, I think he may have a shot at uh, becoming an All American or even a uh, He'll definitely be an all conference player. Um, so Ryan Jones it, he may I saw I saw Steven Igo from 24-7 Sports uh said that he, one of his hot takes was that Ryan Jones is gonna be the the leading reception getter for East Carolina this year and, and that's the tight end. And um Coach Houston has changed that. He's changed the mentality. He he's built that back up. Look, in twenty nine or in twenty twenty, uh during the COVID year there was a lot of games that ECU should have won, but they just didn't win. And then last year, there was a lot of games where ECU was out of them, but came back. And then I want to, I want to make it clear that ECU only lost two games last year by more than a touchdown, the first and the last game. and, And that was to app state. And then to Cincinnati, two teams that, I mean, honestly, Cincinnati in the college football playoff and app state was, in my opinion, a top 25 team in the country last year. So, um. With that, the, those were the only two like major losses. Well, they went on the road to Houston and to UCF, two teams that are leaving for the Big Twelve and have a lot of people looking at them. To I mean, everybody's talking about Houston possibly going undefeated this year. If they do that, they they have to come to EC. That ECU may be the hardest game on their schedule this year. I mean, their schedule is a cakewalk, but. ECU only lost, lost to loss them in overtime and, and lost on the last second uh, touchdown to UCF at UCF. Now they both have to come in to to Greenville to daddy and, and play the pirates at home. So what is your, what, so
0: what's your outlook on how ECU does in conference this year? Like where are, where are they going to end up?
1: How do you feel? How do you feel about your schedule?
0: I, All that stuff.
1: Look, it's the same schedule as last year. I mean, the, the games just flip. Um, you, you've got to go on the road to Cincinnati, which is, which is tough. That's going to, I believe that's the next to last game of, of the season. I don't, I don't have the schedule pulled up right in front of me, but mm-hmm. um, you, you do get to play temple temple is a, I mean, temple is the new Yukon in the American um, you do get to play USF USF. A lot of people are talking highly about them. I'm not sold on them yet. Uh, they, they lost their quarterback last year. Um, I mean, they did get a transfer in, I believe from Baylor. But the, the programs that you're looking at, I mean, Memphis and ECU are going to be kind of there in the three to five range. Um, I, I called it on our podcast. I said that ECU will finish in solo third or better in our conference. Just looking at it, looking at how they played last year, they got much better than last year. And that was a seven and five team. And um, I mean, with that being said, I mean, you got to play UCF at home. You get to play Houston at home. Instead of going on the road to those two tough environments, that that's I mean I'm I'm picking them to come in at least second. I think Houston will win. Um, sorry, I, I think ECU will come in at least third, um, and I think they'll beat one of Cincinnati or UCF. Uh, I think one of those teams will come in fourth or, or worse.
0: The Pirates have four. I'm looking at this now. The Pirates have four top 25 teams on their schedule at the moment. Mm-hmm. The Pack BYU at Cincinnati, Houston at home. That's yeah, a pretty,
1: that's and pretty UCF, good schedule. UCF could possibly make their way into it um, by the time we play them enough. in the season. So you
0: feeling pretty optimistic. Now, I want to get into the state game in particular, but first I want to ask you, like, as an ECU fan, where does the NC State rivalry rank
1: on like the hierarchy of rivals for the Pirates? Look, I mean, I'm going to make no bones about it. NC state is number one, like as ECU. That that's the one thing about ECU is um, they, they've tried to have like a true rival. I mean, there's a rivalry with like Marshall just because of all the history there. Um, right. But when it comes to in state and comes to an actual rivalry, I can tell you. And I mean, I, I have a feeling that it's probably mutual. I mean, there's a lot of hatred on the EC side for for that school in Raleigh for those red and white guys right um that that's I wouldn't say that this is our super bowl cuz it's not we expect to come in and we expect to beat y'all i mean that that's just not a we've been there done that it's not one of those kinds of rivalries where we want to well, where we've never beat you you know um right. we want to come in we we put it out on our podcast or on our twitter page the other day are, would you storm the field if you win this game? And a lot of the replies were, "No, because we expect to beat NC State. It, it's a it's a rivalry that we don't like you, but it's not one where we feel like we're we're little brother because we we definitely don't believe that, and we don't we don't I feed saw, into that.
0: I saw that poll, and I thought the first reply I thought was a good question. The bigger question is how will Ruffin and McNeil be treated back at ECU?
1: Look, I mean, Ruff was inducted last year into the ECU Hall of Fame. We have had yeah. him on the podcast. Um, he opened up some time to the ECU media this past week. Uh, he, he did a he did a press evaluate or press um, conference this past week on Friday. So, I mean, it's one of those things where the fan base loves Ruff, no matter what. He's a pirate through and through. Played here, coached here. I mean, everybody loves Ruff. Um, everybody hates the people that, that fired him talking about Cecil Staten, <laughs> Jeff Comfer. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, there's not going to be any ill will towards rough. We want to beat y'all. Uh, y'all can leave Ruff in in Greenville. That's fine. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's not, it's nothing like that. I mean, it's, nobody's going to say anything bad to coach Ruff and McNeil. He's ECU royalty. I mean, he he just is. So I I don't see anything like that. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. He's such a nice guy. If you've ever, if you you ever get the chance to talk to Ruff, take the 15 minutes that he gives you because he will give you that much time. Take it. Talk to him. Talk ball. Talk. Ask him about his boat. I promise you, you won't regret it. He is one of the best people that I've ever met personally. Um, so yes, take take that time. I mean that's true. Like I,
0: I always felt that they they did him wrong. I think most people kind of felt that as well. I mean, everybody just
1: general. everybody felt that way. ECU fans, yeah. uh, schools, rivals, everybody thought yeah. that Ruff got done wrong, um, and it, it was he wasn't flashy enough for the the previous administration. So you mentioned
0: uh, briefly Holton Holt Aylers. Holton Aylers. I, I was listening to another state podcast, and they kind of mentioned him, and they said it in passing, but it kind of stood out to me. They said Holton Aylers, the best ECU quarterback of all time. Where do you think that's? At? It, it took me it took me by surprise because ECU's had some really good ones: Jeff Blake, David Gerard. Uh, you know, Shane Carden is the all time passing leader. How much of You know, Holton Ayler's is going to pass probably Carden and the stats for yards. You know, he's been he started for four years. How much of it is that? And then where do you rank him on the ECU hierarchy of great
1: quarterbacks? Oh man, that that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Holton's a different style quarterback than I think we've really ever had. Um, Holton is more of a dual threat quarterback. Shane Carden wasn't really that. He he. Yeah. Was good in that air raid offense led by Lincoln Riley. Um look, I love I love whole nailers. He's a great guy. I think that by the end of it, a lot of people are still gonna look at um a lot of, I think a lot of people rank Jeff Blake and David Garrard kind of like one two. Um just yeah. kind of the, the era they played in. Then they have Shane Carden. I would say that whole nailers is, is similar to Shane Carden. Um, I would put him kind of in that level. I, if, and he's going to pass them this year, pretty much pass every record at ECU, mainly because uh, of the COVID year, right? I mean, he's he's a fifth year starter. He, so he should have hold every record and, um, he's very close to all of them anyways. So, um, I think by the numbers, he will technically be the greatest ECU quarterback, um, but I, I don't know if as a fan, if I, if I would put him as the number one quarterback that ECU's ever had
0: It's a fair take, I mean, ECU's had some really good quarterbacks over the years.
1: You I mean, guys, and I'm, I'm partial, yeah. I'm partial to Shane Carden. I mean, that he was the quarterback when I was there. Um, yeah, I mean, we had some decent ones while I was there. I mean, Gardner Minshew, um, yeah, he, he broke famously tried to break his hand to, to get out of playing at ECU. <laughs> um, if you don't know that story, it's a crazy one, but yeah, I mean, you, you've got some of these quarterbacks, Kurt Binkert, who's in the NFL now. Um, so I, I would say, I would say as far as name and recognition wise, I think whole nailers will be one of the best quarterbacks that ECU's had. But I, I think, David Garrard and Jeff Blaker always going to be there with those teams in the in the eighties and nineties.
0: Does Ayler's get the benefit of being you know the hometown hero kind of guy?
1: You know, stayed home, could have gone a lot of
0: places. You know, including you know Raleigh. he
1: really doesn't. Um, okay, there. Look, the town of Greenville loves them. Everybody in Greenville loves them. Um, But there's been times where some of the message boards have really. I mean, I, I think the funny the one that everybody. Ledges onto is local politics. Somebody said, Oh, it's local politics. Um, that he's the quarterback. And it's not. Um, a lot of people were calling for him to lose his job last year at early in the season when you start 0 2 against App State in South Carolina. Um, but and they were they were calling for Mason Garcia to to be the quarterback. Mason Garcia, look, Mason Garcia is the highest ranked recruit that ECU has ever gotten. And he's sat on the bench now three years behind Holden Halers. And he wow. stayed at ECU and he's going to be, he's going to be a good quarterback. So he's waiting in the wings for, for whole nailers to head on off to the NFL next year. But um, yeah, he Mason Garcia is, is another guy to be, keep your eye on moving past this season. The other guy, so you mentioned
0: the uh, ECU O-line, o- right? And they should be a little bit better this year. I think that's kind of, uh, maybe one of the questions y'all have well, question you don't have is that running back Keaton Mitchell thousand yard back. And I was looking at his stats earlier today. I found it interesting. He's only got four games, only had four games over a hundred yards, but still had 1100 yards total. Like
1: how, yeah, how does he, that happen? Well, the way he does it is he gets a big, he gets some big gains. Um, that I I heard, saw a stat. It was like, he only averages like four yards per carry on his, his rushes that don't go for like 30 or more yards, um, which is still great or still good. I, I would say that if he, here's what I tell people about Keen Mitchell and I'll, I'll tell you all this. If Keen Mitchell gets to the second level, you better have somebody as fast as a cheetah to catch him. Cause he's gone. <laughs> I am telling you that that's how, that's how Keen Mitchell will beat you. He's he's got the patience to get to the second level. If he gets there, if he gets to the outside, I mean, it. He was listed, I think, as the fastest guy in college football last year, three or four weeks out of the out of the season, because he hits that top speed and he's the fastest guy. Um, he's the fastest guy on the field, no matter who's out there. I uh, I mean, you could he's you could put little guy anybody right out there. Yeah, he's, he's only only 180 pounds. But um, then you, then you've got his best friend. Rajay Harris, who is, in my opinion, could also be a thousand yard back. I mean, these two guys could, you could see two guys be a thousand yard backs. I don't think it'll happen this year um, with, with Hole Naylor's ability to throw the ball, but you could definitely see that you might, you may have two guys that get at least 750.
0: I saw Hoist the Colors, another ECU site, had predicted that Roger Harris goes over 1,000 yards. Yeah. I would say if they have 2,000-yard backs, they're having a pretty damn good year. I will take it. I will take it
1: all day long. (laughs) And I want 250 of of them to come against one of those guys to get 250 of them against NC State, even though I don't think it would happen. (laughs)
0: that's <laughs> the one thing that I feel pretty good about is our Russian defense. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that matches up because I, they might be two of the best backs we play all year. If I'm, if I'm being I mean, honest, this, it's
1: a really good backfield. This is, I, I would put ECU as having one of the best running back rooms in all of college football. And that's not even being biased. I mean, these two guys came in as the third and fourth, fourth guys on the depth chart and in their freshman year, vaulted up, became the number one and number two guys took took senior running back jobs took jobs from a senior running back. I mean that you, you don't just come in as a true freshman and do that. And they did. And and they really made a name for themselves. And I mean, I would say they're the best running backs we've had since Chris Johnson. And we have them at the same time.
0: That's awesome. Who? Who else should we, should state fans be looking out for? I know everybody knows Halton Ayler. A lot of people know Keaton Mitchell, Rajah Harris. Talk about Tyler Sneed is gone.
1: Who, who's another offensive weapon for the Pirates? I mean, you got C.J. Johnson, another kid out of Greenville. Um, he got into some trouble this past year, but he he's cleared his name. He he's done everything the coaching staff has asked him to. So he's back with the team. He's a wide receiver. He was Ayler's uh, number one receiver in high school and he's a year behind Aylers, so he's going into a senior year um now he, he's he's a he's a NFL wide receiver. He he's built like an NFL wide receiver. He's uh I'm looking at it now. CJ Johnson is listed at 62 236 pounds. He's he's a big guy. And um he he hasn't had the success that we think he should have but a lot of times he's being double teamed, sometimes even triple teamed because he's such a good receiver. He got some of the best hands I've seen. Um, uh, but the other guy, and I've kind of mentioned him earlier, Ryan Jones uh, off. He was, he was a linebacker transfer out of Oklahoma came in last year and, and they moved him over to tight end and he kind of, he really took off and he, he's found his spot on that offense. And I, I think he may, lead the lead, the team in touchdowns this year, at least receiving touchdowns. Old prediction. It's,
0: the pirates are pretty much returning everybody on offense. It seems like, I mean, it's um, I don't, I don't know yeah, what the production I mean, numbers are, but it, uh,
1: it, it's about, you, you return about half your offense. You lose. Now you do lose a lot on the offensive line, but you bring in more size, bigger guys than last year. Um, you got to transfer out of Charleston Southern. You got to transfer out of West Virginia coming in. Um, you've still got your center now is now Avery Jones out of out of Carolina. Uh, he's going to be in his second year in the program. So you've got size. You've got guys that have played in the quote unquote power five level, um, and you've got guys that have played plenty of FBS games and are very uh, are kind of getting older and more mature on the offensive line. And I mean, I think this is the heaviest offensive line we've ever had, at least in the last 20 years. All right.
0: Offensively, ECU is going to be stout. I think I mean, we know that. How What's the defensive side look like? They're, they had to replace a lot, lost, lost a lot of their production. Where's, where's their
1: strength on this defense right now? I think the strength on this defense, and this is something that I wouldn't have said in the past two years, I think the strength is at at the D line. Um, I mean, you got you got some of these defensive linebackers. Um, I mean, Xavier Smith, Miles Berry, that are going to come in um, and and really play well. Rick DeBrew, uh, another another guy that's going to play really well. Um, that they, they've been in the program and, and been doing this for three or four years now. Each of them, and they're they're gonna they're they know what they're doing um, they, now. NC State's got a lot of size, but these guys have um, these guys have the speed. They have the skill. Um, the where, where we really missed out is, I mean, we lost both of our cornerbacks from last year. I mean, you do have you do have um, Malik Fleming at cornerback who who he got plenty of snaps last year, but you lose a guy like Jaquan McMillan and who was in, you want to hear a hot take? Jaquan McMillan, in my opinion, awesome. was the best. He was awesome. Was the best cornerback in the conference last year, in a conference that had Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Um, Jaquan McMillan had more <laughs> interceptions, more pass breakups, playing in the same conference. Look, I'm, I'm just calling it like I see it. I'm going by the numbers. In my opinion, Jaquan McMillan was just as good, if not better, a better cornerback than, I mean, he picked off Desmond Ritter. So, uh, I'll, I'll say that. And then um, you, you lose another, you lose your safety. Uh, one of your safeties, Warren Saba. A good friend of the podcast want to give him a shout out, playing for the USFL now, um, but you lose nice. him. So that that's in your secondary is probably the biggest thing. Um, but you've still got guys that have some experience; they just haven't been playing as much um, as as they, they weren't starters last year. Is what I'm saying.
0: What what's the base defense for the Pirates?
1: So they're usually going to run a, like a three-four. Um, that, that's that's going mm-hmm. to be what, what you're going to see from them. Um, sometimes they'll switch it up, but that's going to be kind of what you see for the most part.
0: Do you feel like how, how do you feel this team is going to operate? Is, are they going to rely on their offense or defense? Like, like,
1: what do you expect to see from this my Houston team? Um, man, I, I think the offense is going to really lead the way. Um, now I think the defense is going to provide a lot of energy for that offense. So, um, I, I think it's going to be very balanced. I think that this team is better in all aspects of the game on, on offense, defense, and even in special teams. Um, you get, you get a guy like Owen Daffer another year. He was a true freshman last year, the kicker. Um, he, he's got some big game kicks under his belt now and, I think he's going to be even better. I, I think that it's going to be a balance, a good balance, but I think the offense really kind of takes the takes the lead. They're, they're the more flashy part of this team, um, which, I mean, that's pretty – that's usually how it goes, right? But um, I, I think that this offense is just – it's going to be stout, and they're going to put up a lot of points. Do you
0: have any – Like, what's your main concern? What are you worried about the most? Which position group, both offense and defense?
1: Uh, I mean, as much as the offensive line has improved, that's still always, and that's always a worry, is do you have the depth and do you have the size to compete in in the American Athletic Conference and compete with some of the schools like BYU, like NC State that we're playing this year? Um, that's I mean, that's always a worry. Um, I think on the defensive line or on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, yeah, it's definitely the safeties. I, I really, I mean, I think Malik Fleming and DeMille Hickman are going to do a good job at, at the corner position, but uh, it's, it's a position that you don't have Jaquan McMillan back there like you have for the last two years, where if someone was thrown his way, he was going to break it up or, or he's going to come down with it. Um, So you, you don't have that there, but I mean, Malik, Malik Fleming is is still a very capable cornerback. So um yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see.
0: Who's gonna get the pressure on the quarterback? I think if the general consensus is that they sit if they sit back and let Devin Leary throw the ball, it's gonna be a long night for the Pirates. So they're gonna have to bring some pressure. Where's that gonna come from?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think a guy like Xavier Smith, um, he, he's a guy that he usually plays the in in the uh, Mike linebacker position um, so I, 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 would, I would see him as, as a guy that can get there um, I, I'm not too sure on, on the interior offensive line for for NC State but he's been one of the guys that has really pressured the quarterback another guy is Rick um, he, he he's gonna put a lot of pressure on, on Devin Leary so the
0: the Wolfpack comes into Greenville as a 11 point favorite. The over under is 55. I don't know if you're a betting man, but if let's
1: pretend you were, where are you placing your money in this game? I'm placing on I'm placing it on the Pirates to cover. I, I think. Look, NC State knows what they're getting into. They've played in a they've played in uh, hostile environments, but this one, it where you're coming into a place where literally everybody in the stands. Other than the couple thousand that you brought, where everybody hates you, and like <laughs> has a visceral hate for you, I mean, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, you, you look at it and it what's it been? It's been y'all haven't beat us in Greenville the last three games. Hell, one of Scotty Montgomery's nine wins is against NC State in Greenville. <laughs> I mean that that's enough said. That I mean Scotty Montgomery beat Western Carolina, NC State, and Yukon in his first year. One of those doesn't belong. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that I think that the fan base had a lot to do with that. Um, it, it's one of those things that I think will play a factor. I, I'm not saying that I'm not going to go out and say, "Oh, we're gonna beat you. Um, I believe that we can but I'm, I'm not going to call that. I'm going to say that it's going to be closer than the 11 points. I'm going to put it at about a three or four point uh, spread. Would you take the over on 55? Sounds like you're high on your offense. I'm high on our offense. I think y'all's offense is good too. So, um, yeah, I, I would take the over. I think – what what did I say? I said it was – I think I said it was thirty, uh, like a 34-31, 34-30 uh, game. Uh, earlier when I did another podcast this past week, I I think that's what I said. So um, I I think it's going to be in the high, high twenties, mid low to mid thirties. I would say I would put the over under at about 60.
0: As much as I don't want it to be. I got a feeling it's going to be another one of those classic state ECU games where it's going to be close. It's one of those things where, you know, they say throw out the record books and whatever. It's just going to be closer than the experts think. Uh, I I have a lot of respect for Mike Houston. Uh, I think what he's doing down there uh, is is, he's he's building a program the right way and they've got some weapons on there. Um, So it's going to be, I, I think it'll be a really good game. I don't. Foresee a blowout like I've seen a lot of uh, folks
1: predicting. Um, if you're if you're calling it's
0: that's, that's unrest under ECU.
1: If you're calling a blowout, pull your head out of your butt because that that's not happening. <laughs> I mean, it might it, anything it. can happen in college football, but I don't foresee that. Um, it it's one of those things where my co-host and I have both said that it might come down to a field goal. I mean, it, it very well could be a field goal. Look. There's a precedent for big time teams, a number thirteen team in the country, coming into a a, an opponent and playing on the road and losing in week one. There's been plenty of precedent where that's been set, so I'm not holding, I'm not throwing anything out against this against the NC State team. I'm putting it all on the table. Um, it, It could be, this may be a game that we haven't seen in a very long time.
0: I want to get your thoughts on on Mike Houston right now. Like, let's say Mike Houston has a, a good year, they win eight plus games. I'm not sure what the Vegas over under for win total is for you guys, but <laughs> it's
1: actually at six. Surprisingly, okay.
0: I'd feel pretty good taking the over there. Yeah. Um, my, let's say Mike Houston wins eight. They go eight and four this year. Pirates end up, you know, second in the in the American, like you suggest. Are, are is there any concern that? Uh, another school come after Mike Houston, given his track record and what he's already done in a short time at ECU.
1: I mean that that's always a concern when you're when you're in a quote unquote group of five conference and you have a, a good quarterback with a good track record. But I mean ECU just right. signed him to an extension this past year. They they added a three year extension. So um, if somebody does come, they're gonna have to pay us more money for that. If you are willing to pay us more money, we'll go out and get a we'll get another coach. Um, but I, I, I've talked to Coach Houston, and look, it, it's coach talk. He, what's he going to tell a guy that's in the yeah, media? But <laughs> I mean, I genu- I genuinely feel like he does want to be in Greenville. Look, he's from North Carolina. He said he want he wanted to be in North Carolina. He didn't care where he was as long as he was in North Carolina. Now, if a Virginia Tech or a UVA called him. I think he would be on on the way there. Um, I, I don't see maybe a UNC calling him. I don't I don't see him leaving for a Duke or a job at Wake. I don't think the job at Wake will be open this year. Um, and Duke just hired a new head coach, so I don't really see him leaving to go somewhere else. And we we already he tried to go to UNC Charlotte, uh, but then we stole him from UNC Charlotte. So I, I don't foresee that right. happening. They're coming to the American. I I, I don't see. I don't see that happening. Um, I don't see him going somewhere like a Texas or, or anywhere like that. I mean, maybe a West Virginia, but he wants to be in the North Carolina Virginia region, and um, I, I don't see any openings being really available this year, other than maybe a UNC if Mac Brown decides to finally call it quits.
0: <laughs> that that would be the one that I would keep my eye on. Uh, yeah, Mac Brown. Yeah, I mean having another Mac Brown year and you know, retiring. And yeah. I, I think the, the Carolina folks would probably opt for a name over a quality coach just because, you know, That's egos what they're known and whatnot.
1: For. yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, I my, my talk wife, my I wife think did go to Spence Carolina.
1: To go. So I, I do have to put that disclaimer out there.
0: My wife went to ECU. So it's, you I'm, got a good, you got I'm a good wife. <laughs> uh, I asked this question to all of, well, I want to back up. Last question. If ECU were in the ACC, you can pick, pick <laughs> a side. Coast Atlantic, where do you think they would finish this year? That's oh, an man. awful wall
1: question. Um, I, I'd say, I mean, and I, I'll, I've i never been a fan of the ACC, so I'm, I'm trying to remember all the schools in the different uh, – I'll give you the coastal is
0: Miami, Virginia Tech, Duke, Carolina,
1: Pitt, and Georgia Tech. I think is finishing at least third in 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 that division. Uh maybe behind Pitt and uh Miami. Um, I don't see Carolina or Duke uh beating them this year. Um just looking at how Carolina played, I, I thought one of the fun replies that uh, came through to us yesterday when we put out a tweet about that FAMU game was, uh, I wonder how many guys, how many stars that they're running back created right through in, in that game. Um, I, I thought that was funny. But, yeah, I, I'd put us at probably third, maybe have a shot at second. Um, I, I think, in my opinion, Miami's probably going to win that division this year. I'm, I'm not sold on Virginia Tech. Also, I hate Virginia Tech. I hate Virginia Tech almost as much as I hate NC State, but I hate NC State a lot.
0: <laughs> I love it. Uh, what was the year? I, I, one of the things that I always you know, commend ECU for was the ass kicking they put on UNC one year. I think it was like 70 to 17 or something. Lincoln I've Riley, it. Just, he was running out. Anybody was running up the middle and scoring on them. I've, I've
1: got a panorama hanging above where I'm recording. I'm looking at it right now. I can see where I'm sitting. My wife was also there. It was 2014. Um, there you go. Really, one of the best years in ECU history. I mean, a 10 win season mm-hmm. that year. Um, it, I mean, it seemed like you could you. I think they got up to like 12th in the country at one point. Look, in 2014, there's a lot of college coaches saying ECU should be in the Power Five. And then the next year we fired Ruffin McNeil after going, what? What did he go seven and five? Yeah, I mean, that that's that's crazy to me. That that's asinine to me. Um, so yeah, that that was the 2014 season. And look, UNC hasn't been in East Carolina in over three thousand days. (laughs) I love that. It was seventy to forty-one. I remember that game so vividly. I watched. Yeah, I watched it. It It was just. Everyone just kept running up the middle on him. It was amazing. Uh, It was also – and then the year before, we beat them 55-31 to at Keenan. Yeah. Last time we played them, we beat them once again like 40-20. to I mean, if there's one thing EC knows about, it's it's beating Carolina. I love it.
0: I want none of that this weekend, so please (laughs) refrain from any of that offensive explosiveness, please. Look,
1: the – ECU, that, that's, and that's why I say that. ECU has beaten Virginia Tech. We've gone on the road and beaten Virginia Tech. We've beaten NC State at Quarter-Finley. At We've beaten Carolina at UNC. Our fans expect to beat ACC opponents, and we hate pretty much everybody in the ACC, um, but mainly NC State and, and Carolina, with NC State taking the, taking the lead on that. I love it. So this is my
0: official last question. I ask everybody that all my guests on here, the way college football is changing, the landscape is changing. How do you feel about it all? Where, where do you stand? Where do the pirates, you know, fit in all this? Like what's your general take on it?
1: Yeah. uh, I think that we should expand the college football playoff. I I think that it's um, insane to, to have only four teams and it be an invitational and, if the SEC and Big Ten do what they want to do, guess what? The ACC is going to feel the same way because they're going to they're going to be in the same position that e- that the American and the Group of Five have been in for the past ten years. You're going to be on the outside looking in. Um, that that's just how it's going to be if, if these schools leave and and create these mega conferences, right? Which we're already seeing. Um, I, I don't agree with all the Power Five moniker. Why the hell is why the hell is a Vanderbilt or a Kansas considered a power five or Rutgers considered a power five? Um, Because they have more money and, and they were selected in in realignment at one point. I, I don't agree with that. Um, I, I think that each conference has its own. I mean, outside of maybe the Mac and um, conference USA, of course, I, I would say that the mountain West, the Sun Belt, and the American are, Three very competitive conferences that have teams that could be any team in any conference, outside of maybe Alabama or Georgia or a Clemson. At times, I know your fan base might come after me for saying that, but um, I, I think that if we were to go, if we were to take this and go to a twelve-team playoff, look, you're you're if you go to a twelve-team playoff, yeah, you're adding. I think it's like five more games, six more games. Um, total. And I I think you get a better product. Now, here's how I would set that up. I would set it up by having your top five, your power five conference champions. Then you have your top six, your, your top group of five conference champion. And then the next six are your top six teams in the country. Now, however, that plays out if NC State is number ten in the country but doesn't win the ACC. Guess what? NC State is in the college football playoff, and I mean that—that's how I think that it should be set up. It's the same amount of games, whether you uh, have—I think it's eight teams or twelve. If you have eight teams, you're not going to have the first four to play a bye or have a bye week. If you have twelve, you have the first four teams have a bye week. Um, I think it would make the bowl season more. Um, enjoyable. I, I think instead of having all these bowls between nobodies and and teams that I mean, I don't re- I don't care to watch a game between Kent State and Air Force. Sorry, I just don't. Even as a Group of Five fan, I don't want to see that. Um, have some of these bowl games elevate and host more college football playoff games, and make it a more regional regional basis. Um, so the team that's the home team, if if we were playing in the say ECU made the college football playoff, we would play in maybe the Myrtle Beach Bowl or the Duke's Mayo Bowl, right? And it's based on region, and you're gonna still get your fans, you're still gonna have that uh, home field advantage that you might have in a bowl game, but um you, that that's kind of giving you a, a reason to to be there, right? Um gives teams schools fans a, a reason to travel and it could be easily set up I, I think that's how I would set it up in, in my opinion and I've, I've said that plenty of times I think that college football the the way that they do it now is okay I, I don't mind the college football playoff I just think it needs to be expanded also one thing that I w- would get rid of in a heartbeat and I might get I might get stoned. For this, on coming from your fan base, get rid of the preseason rankings. Don't. There's no reason for last year a Carolina to get ranked in the top ten, and they were honestly dog shit last year. I called it on our podcast. I said Carolina is the most overrated college football team and has the most overrated co- quarterback in college football, and I, I said that on our podcast. Guess what? I was right. And you always have a Texas. You have a Florida that is ranked in the top 10, top 15, and then they go one and two, but they're still ranked in the top 25 because they started so high. Doesn't make much sense to me. If look, I said it earlier. If ECU beats NC state, guess what? NC state's going to still be in the top 25, even after, after losing the ECU, but ECU's not going to hop into the top 25 just because they beat state. It's not going to happen.
0: I, I agree with you there. I mean, it's something we've talked about a lot too. The preseason rankings are just – they're nonsense. Nobody knows. I mean, yeah. the Carolina thing was – we were saying the same thing. Carolina lost too much production offensively
1: that year even be – When you, to when you lose those two running backs like that, I mean, what are you going to do? And the two wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. The preseason polls are ridiculous. They shouldn't come out until like week six or something like after you've uh, seen teams play, but they're there for clicks and stories and all that
1: stuff. Right. I mean, we talk about it all the time. We have to make up stuff to come to talk about on the podcast during the summer because after ECU <laughs> yeah, loses out in the Super Regional, which seems like it happens every year in college baseball, there's nothing really to talk about. And yeah. um, you've got to come up with something and Th- they provide lots of information or a lot of talking points, but when I dis- I see things and I'm like, I completely disagree with that. I look, I don't think that I don't think Pitt's a top 25 team right now. I don't think they should be ranked top 25 in Three. the preseason. I don't think Wake, yeah. with the information about Sam Hartman, I don't think they're a top 25 team. So, I mean, I would put NC State at, I don't know if I'd put them at, what are they, number 12, number 13? Thirteen. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd put them that high. I mean, they're they're a top twenty-five team, but I don't know if I'd put them at thirteen. But then again, I, who do you put before them? You don't know because nobody's played games right now. Guess who's number one in the country? Vanderbilt. <laughs> they're the only team. <laughs> Sixty-three-seven. Yeah. They, they're the only team that played and like blew out a team yesterday. Right. That's right. May, <laughs> Vanderbilt and Northwestern are your number one and number two teams in the country.
0: I mean, I, I agree with you that the the, the premises is, is right, man. they shouldn't have those rankings. Or if they do have them, they should be willing enough to make drastic changes each week. Like you get more information, especially week one, week two. You see these teams play, but I'm guessing most team, most of these people aren't fans watching these teams play. They're looking at box scores and whatever highlights, and that's tell how that me.
1: Works. And then tell me Alabama, who in my I don't know. Alabama hasn't played a non-conference road game in what? 15 years? I think they got finally yeah. got one on the schedule this year. But it's like It's
0: like Duke basketball.
1: And yeah, and then they don't they play 3 FCS teams or 2 FCS teams basically. I mean Yeah. But we talk about their strength of schedule because they're in the SEC. Look, their strength of schedule is like that because in the preseason and even later in the season we've vaulted teams up that are have four losses at the end of the season to make their strength of schedule look that much better. When you have a team that is 10 and two in the American that isn't even ranked because they're not a national name that that's, that's my issue with, with the ranking system is look, no matter what you say, this is still football at the FPS level. And if you were to go back to ranking teams, like we used to back in the nineties and early two thousands, I, I think that you would have a better case of having the top four teams playing in the college football playoff. But now you can definitely tell that the money is what deals with, with the rankings. And then our, I mean, Mike Oresko, the commissioner of the American athletic conference, he said, he said it in his, in his media day press conference. He said, look, we've been told for so long that our teams aren't good enough to be in the college football playoff, but one of them finally signs a, a on a piece of paper to go to one of these power five conferences, and suddenly they're good enough to be in the college football playoff. That that's the that's the thought process of fans at ECU in the American Athletic Conference. Look, UCF in what was it twenty seventeen? In my opinion, they were a they should have been the college football playoff they they won game to basically two seasons in a row and their only game they lost was in a bowl game to LSU so just my two cents i love it i mean i
0: i, I don't think your uh, your thought process and you know is too far disconnected from a lot of state fans i feel the feel the same way on on all that I, I think if we brought it more regionally i think it would be a better much better product but Hey, we're doing it for they, – apparently they need more money. Big Ten needs more
1: billions. So that's, that's Big why Ten this, and the SEC, you know, NFL. they they got to make <laughs> their money and the rest are just left left for dead.
0: I love it. Well, Jared, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight to the Pirates. I, I wish you the best. Well, almost the best this weekend, maybe second best this weekend. Um, but I hope it's going to be a good game. Um, Y'all check out Jared You can follow him and his podcast All social medias, Boneyard Podcast The premier podcast of Pirate Nation Jared, appreciate it
1: Thanks for having me